part of the Glenvor podcast and this is your host uh, Jason JJ talking you through the articles on the website. Um, the plan is to uh, I guess eventually catch up and to have the podcast come out almost simultaneously with the article themselves uh, but at the moment we're playing a little bit of catch up um, perhaps due to the amount of material that's appearing on the site. Uh, so we're still in December, even though obviously this is being released in January. And on this one today, I wanted to talk about uh, two articles that appeared in December. One of them, again, it just shows what a few lines in the logbook. Now that I've explained what the distillery logbook is, uh, this particular entry comes from the 16th of April, 1939. So it's probably so far, I try not to look too far ahead in the logbook because it almost spoils the surprise for me. It sometimes pays dividends to look at the next entry and, and certainly you'll see that in uh, the coming articles where we have a request for work and then we almost have a validation of the quality of work in the next entry. But trying not to spoil it for me, although, you know, sometimes it, it's hard to resist that human urge to look ahead but I, I think there's something to be said for just um, a calm methodical pace and enjoying what you find and taking it in before you go running off into the distance so that's why we're doing it page by page I think it is the right thing to do because of the amount of detail these pages can offer us or the insight or mysteries they can create and obviously totally new revelations uh, and having a um, Alan on board as well just gives us that whole distilling perspective but also some context with history so each page uh, is a real journey in its own right so in this particular one from April like I said it is one of the shortest if not the shortest entry it's almost I don't know scribbled down in 30 seconds and that's it so uh, dated at the bottom the 16th of April this is basically a uh, just a very simple application. So it reads as this, application to mash on a Sunday. Now, um, Sunday is very much the day of the Sabbath, day of rest. Um, uh, it might be more on the, the Western Isles now in Scotland, but certainly, you know, back in uh, the 1930s, it would have been much more widely respected. You know, it was a day of rest, a day of thought, um, a day of family in some respects, as well as um, at worship. Uh, lowering of water in Caledonian Canal. Permission granted, subject to the board's covering sanction. The action is approved, and then the date. Now, this is really interesting because, as regulars will know, I've researched the Caledonian Canal side of things. For many years, we thought the Caledonian Canal was used for transportation to the wet. Um, the distillery etc with goods but if anything my research and I went through the most enormous pile of letters and correspondence um, to the lock keeper uh, of the Caledonian Canal or the Muirtown locks as it were more importantly and there was only ever one letter in there related to Glenvore and that basically was the initial distillery being established and introduction uh, and meeting uh, the lock keeper because they were pretty much next door neighbors uh, in in many rights so all that and I read about all sorts of things from schooners to people having accidents to uh, people on I guess holiday jollies and then just the the, the general work um, 
of the canal and access and the materials that would have gone up and down it, but nothing really whatsoever at all about Glenvore receiving goods or sending goods via the Caledonian Canal route. And that proves a lot of the photographs, a lot of the imagery you see with the boats and things we've heard over the years, the flow of goods to and forth were coming via the Muirtown Basin, which then leads out into the Firth. No, I was going to say the Firth of Dornoch, but of course that's totally wrong. Um, and then out into the North Sea. So that was the main route down to Leaf. Um, I won't get too much more into it. We'll be going into trains and transportation and horses and carts, but it's all on the website. The point being, we never really, until this entry, had much insight into the relevance of the Caledonian Canal. We know there's a water pipe. We know that is the original Glenolben water pipe, and I've spoken about that in a, an earlier article as well. Unfortunately, I couldn't bring you the images um, because uh, the... Um, waterboard um, for the canals wouldn't allow me to use them despite their historical importance I totally understand their point of view but it would have been fantastic to show you effectively the pipe runs the length of the quayside at Muirtown, at the Muirtown docks right up to the top of the Muirtown um, beyond the locks to where the gatekeeper's cottage is which is quite a considerable distance and Glenvor, when it was built, tapped into that water supply. So Glenvor and Glenolben had the same water supply. Um, I guess a good correlation of this would be the Glenolben logbooks. And I know the Glenolben logbooks actually exist. I haven't started the research on them because I have my hands full. But there's two logbooks for Glenolben. There's only one for Glenvor. So if we have dates that correlate, we'd be able to see if Glenvor also put, put in this request to MASH on a Sunday. And I think that's entirely reasonable that they could have done so. If the canal was low, if there was actually something going to be affecting the pipe or the water intake, they were going to lose days. Um, and it seems that very much that Glenvor is in full production, full flow in 1939. So every day counted and every mash counted. So it shows that relationship between the canal and the uh, distillery and production is relevant. Um, it might not be relevant in terms of transportation, but certainly when it comes to the actual production aspect, it was. And we know, for instance, Glenolben was powered for many years by water turbine, which obviously came from the, the canal or, you know, the upper lock. So uh, it was a very interesting uh, entry because it just gives us a little bit more detail. And in the article I'll link to below, I talk about um, that Glenolben pipe find and uh, we go into what existed before Glenvore because that Glenolben map is 1840s. So it predates Glenvore by about 50 years. Um, and it shows us what was originally on that site in terms of a road work, sorry, a rope works. And we talk a little bit about that sort of building, very distinctive building shape, obviously, for make, making ropes, which seems like an absolutely fan fascinating uh, thing to do, um, but in its own way, probably dangerous as well. And there was also a Chandler's Shop and Bakery on the corner of where the distillery once was. So it just gives us that little bit more detail um, regarding 
Glenvor, and uh, I pull out a couple photographs in the article of um, pre-Glenvore. So, you know, from the, I think probably about the 1880s, we can actually see a busy quayside, but also we can see the rope works and the bakery uh, buildings uh, as they once stood. So I think it was great it all came together and on the article as well I show you where the pipe runs from you know and it's a considerable distance when you see it on the aerial overhead shot and I would think even today not that I can go and get a spade or I'd need um, a drill to break the cement but that pipe will still be there and that pipe has paid, played a part in probably the creation of so many Glenoban and Glenvore whiskies the pipe's still there uh, I would think they haven't dug out that pipe completely. They would have just um, boarded up each end as uh, the distillery and um, each distillery um, obviously fell into ruin and then uh, was uh, demolished. So I always think it's beneficial to take our time with these entries to really think about them and see where we go next. Now, in terms of the other article I wanted to talk about, uh, this is one of the newspaper articles, and this is actually 1909, and it's recruiting for the Territorial Force. And uh, I know a little bit of my history, but I didn't know too much about the Territorial Force because they didn't teach it in school. You know, you, you get to hear about the wars or you have to read about them, but you, you don't get much detail, I suppose is the word. So literally in the Inverness Courier, um, it's um, a recruitment advert stroke list of employers who are effectively saying, you know, if you want to join the territorial force, we will support you and we will allow you time to train for that role. And um, the territorial force was actually created by the UK government the year before, and it was an attempt to avoid conscription Obviously, the UK um, forces were engaged. This was a period, I guess, of great upheaval in the world and obviously um, incoming First World War. So things were stretched. And to avoid conscription, they came up with this other idea where they would create uh, an available source of trained men across the country uh, who would have their own sort of local divisions. And these would be originally deployed defensively so they wouldn't go out with the UK. So I suppose in a way you had the option of if you wanted to do your patriotic duty you either went into the full forces um, and could go probably to some very very harsh environments and very dangerous environments or perhaps you were a little bit more savvy or maybe you had a more roots in an area or you had a, a career and you said I'll join the, the um, I guess it was almost like the, ter the TAs in a way, but I, I talk a little bit about that and about the, the role of those units. But what was really interesting was um, you've obviously got this list of employers and the two Inverness distilleries are on this list um, in terms of Glenoban and um, Glen 4. Now, it underlines Glen 4 and John Burney being very patriotic and very, I mean, he was obviously involved in the council and as somebody who's a treasurer, soon to be provost, you probably can't turn your back on king and country, or is it queen and country back then? Sorry, I can't remember. And, you know, not enable your employees to, if they want to do this and join these forces. So Glenvor is on the list, and uh, it's a list that basically says, 
we are all supportive and we will do what we can to enable people to train. However, Glenalbin Distillery, I think from memory, is the only one that comes with a caveat on the whole list, which is probably... It stands out, doesn't it? Like a real sore thumb in a way, because everyone else, there's no conditions. Yep, you know, and we were talking um, everything from uh, the Northern Chronicle to upholsters, cabinet makers, um, firms of engineers. Um, I'm looking back here, list builders, ironmongers, uh, real trades across the city, um, solicitors even on the list there. And you know, you get down the list and you get to Glenalbin and it says, um, as far as the nature of our business will allow, you know, and you're like, what the hell, you know, I mean, Glenvor is the same business as you, the same location, and they, there's no caveats, they will do it, which I think reflects the outlooks of the owners, perhaps at that time. But I thought that was a really interesting find. Um, and I also touch upon... <coughs> Sorry for that. I've been holding that in. Um, we do not. Well, I haven't found anyone for Glenvor who made the ultimate sacrifice in the war. There was uh, an individual, uh, Peter Rose, who was linked to Melbourne Distillery at the other side of Inverness. Um, so, just proves it could happen, and it did. Um, but this might be an area um, that reveals more as we go on. But I thought it was an interesting footnote, just about the the outlook of the distilleries and obviously John Burney's um, emphasis here uh, of doing the right thing by country. So hopefully you've enjoyed those two articles. I'll link them below. Uh, if you want to get involved, send a comment, uh, you know, check out another episode, please do. Any questions, I will try my best to answer them. I don't know everything. Um, and if I don't, then I will try and find out for you. But uh, I hope you've enjoyed this episode and uh, I'll see you on the next one. Thank you.